This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress for February 8, 2023. The NPC podcast is where we discuss and consider the purpose, process and people of the pharma industry, and today, we'll continue the healthcare conversation. This program is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. The industry is rapidly evolving, and Impress is designed to help you evolve with it. Learn more about Impress tailored best-in-class solutions at www.impress.com. Our guest today is Arno Lovanu. Arno is senior partner at Top Top Communications in Montreal. He will join your hosts, Jim, Mark, and Mitch. And to start today's conversation, here's Mitch Shannon, CEO of Chronicle Companies. Welcome back to the NPC podcast from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. To borrow a line from Channel 7 Eyewitness News, it's 2023. Do you know where your chat GPT algorithms are? (laughs) I'm your podcast co-host, Mitch Shannon, refreshed and reinvigorated after our holiday break and coming to you from our historic podcast gondola here at the corner of Carlton and Pape. And look who I just ran into. It's Mark McElwain, the pharmaceutical industry consultant and life sciences expert. Mark, good to see you again. Glad to be back. Things are looking up. Less than a month till the start of spring training, even though it doesn't really feel like it outside. Go Jays. God, you're right. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, well, chuckling along is James Shea, General Manager of the Council for Continuing Pharmaceutical Education in Montreal. He's returned to his usual corner of the gondola. Jim, you're looking unusually refreshed and reinvigorated. How was your R&R break? Well, you know, I've been shoveling snow and things feel good out there. Felling a few trees up at the cottage, yes. Shave my facial hair, so I'm constantly cold. So I tend to be wearing my soothsayer's toque in an inordinately high uh, proportion of the day. But, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, doing well, doing well. Good. Well, snow today, spring training tomorrow. We three are your (laughs) podcast hosts, known as Jim, Mark, and Mitch, because all the imaginative brand names were already taken, such as Aloe Police and Shakey's Pizza. Oh, jeez. Boys, let's welcome the senior partner at a great branding organization, Talk Talk Communications in Montreal. Here's our friend, Arnaud Lavenue. Happy New Year, Arnaud. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, everyone, for having me uh, with you. So you are a senior partner at Talk Talk Communications. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the company and its current vision? Yeah, sure. A bit of uh, Talk Talk. So we are a marketing and communication healthcare agency. We are based in Montreal. and some news now. We are also opening a, a new office in uh, in Toronto. So uh, it's a sign of expansion and also a deliberate view from our end to be closer to our current and uh, upcoming clients. We're a woman-owned organization. A bit of milestone for you in terms of dates. So it's been founded by Caroline Desotel, our current uh, president, in 1994. And we decided in 2014 to pivot uh, the business, to pivot this business into uh, the healthcare where we are now. So really to serve the needs of pharma, the small, the mid, the large uh, organization, but not only them, the the pharmacy chains and banners, the the medical and patient uh, associations. In terms of vision, Mitch, you you were asking, we have a raison d'être, actually. So that's good that you ask. 
Our raison d'être is to provide uh, marketing, communication, and medical education uh, solutions to our clients and their customers so that ultimately patients get access to better and uh, earlier care. Well, that's pretty cool. And we'll be watching our email for the invitation to your uh, Toronto office opening. I'm sure it's going to be a lively event. You'll be invited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim Shea here. You're also a board member of the Réseau des Femmes d'Affaires du Québec or the Quebec Business Women's Network for our Anglophone friends. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, so maybe a bit of a context of uh, of that network. It's a non-for-profit organization. It's been in place for more than 40 years now, helping the development of women entrepreneurs and women executives. They have also their raison d'être in uh, three keywords that I think define very well the mission, which is inspire, connect, and propel. The last two years, as a board member as well, uh, we've been heavily involved to help provide better access to women-owned organizations to potential clients with contract agreements. So we are really into enlarging the possibilities for women entrepreneurs to get access to uh, to those big mandates and to help basically develop more businesses uh, for them. So it's something obviously that uh, I'm fond of. And the last piece in terms of my involvement, maybe at the REFAC, I'm actually board member, as you said, I'm also the president of the HR subcommittee. And so my role here as an advisor is to help advise on shaping this organization, the REFAC, in terms of the next phase, because it's actually growing tremendously and more and more people are coming in. So I'm here as well to help and, and advise on what are the key capabilities that are required to go to the next level? Well, so so this just isn't healthcare industry. This is all industries. This is across the board, exactly. It's for all industries. It's not specific to pharma. It's really developing and nurturing an economic mode and providing more visibility for women leaders, whatever their industry are and giving them more chances or at least equal chances when it comes down to uh, getting access to business to businesses and, and mandates. Excellent. Arnaud, it's Mark. Arnaud, you've worked on both sides of the street, client side and now on the agency side. I wonder if you can tell us about a particularly challenging project you've worked on and how you overcame any obstacles during that process. Yeah, sure. I mean, we love and I think we are fueled by challenges and our DNA. We asked the raison d'être, but our DNA at TalkTalk is certainly to accept sometimes missions that looks impossible. So one of, one of the cases I had to discuss today is the challenge of reviving a, an old brand indicated for alopecia. Maybe that could help for me too, with no feel for. So the client asked us, how can you re, uh, do this with creativity? Without fair force in Canada, and there's only one country in the world that has been successful. It's in South Korea, and they have they they were basically leveraging and acting on local cultural markers. So there was really no way really to actually piggyback from the learning from from South Korea. So that was a big challenge, Mark. Let me tell you, constraints in terms of budgeting, not solid insight and background. So we really built around the big idea of again communication approaching both the consumer and the prescribers by creating a buzz that resonates well with the targeted audience. So the, those are young males 
uh, will begin to lose their hair, obviously, and informing at the same time the, the prescriber who have not been updated on this product for years. So the project has been a DTC, it was Grow Your Helmet <laughs> campaign initiative in the greater Toronto area. So we did street marketing, that's quite unusual in pharma. We did billboard, Instagram contest, and at the same time, mailing information and packages, full package for educational purposes to physicians who, uh, who have been prescribed in that category, as well as doing follow-up with those clinics so that they are receiving well the, the package. So it's been an example of that quite interesting because it was, as I said, without fear force, uh, it was very targeted, GTA. The result was unexpected, meaning significant growth across Ontario. So not, on, not only in, in Toronto. And so the leadership of the company had decided to expand it for all Canada, East Coast to West Coast. And last but not least, the creative campaign on the consumer side received awards at the global level by this organization. So a, a kind of a turnkey integrated campaign to really respond to the needs to our clients, pharma, patients, consumer, physicians. Thanks. I think I remember that campaign. But uh, I'm going to ask a little bit more about another one. While you have been at Talk Talk, you were part of a campaign to raise awareness about the shingles vaccine. And I'm in the age bracket that pays attention to those sorts of things. So what made this campaign so effective? So this one is also coming all the time by a challenge from a client. I discussed earlier on on the case on in alopecia and it, we wanted to have a pilot in, in Ontario, in, uh, in GTA. This one was actually in Quebec. And the challenge of this organization regarding the, the chingle vaccination was that with the same amount of resources deployed across Canada, Quebec was very sh falling short in terms of adoption and education and awareness around shingle vaccination, way lower than the population of Quebec. So the question was that how to do what needs to be fixed. And so I think what we've done was very unusual is to connect two insights. One, to bring a spokesperson that really connect with the Quebec audience of that generation. And that has been Louis Forestier, who is a folk singer, from the 70s, super well-known in Quebec for their targeted group. And second, to go to places that we haven't been able to go before, which is not to go and educate also physicians so that they can educate patients, but go to pharmacies and actually bring patients and consumers to pharmacies and pharmacies so that pharmacy and their team can discuss and educate about shingle vaccination, leveraging the expansion role of pharmacists and their ability to recommend and through the nurses back then to administer and inject adult vaccination. We did a tour in Quebec of more than 100 stops of pharmacies plus an overall campaign. So it was quite a project, but Mark, to let you know as well, this uh, success expanded across the border in a sense of Quebec by have such a demand that for a while there was actually difficulty even to get the product because of that shingle vaccine education program uh, success. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, are you able to discuss any other campaigns for pharma that resulted in great results? We have a few, so we could have a podcast for quite a long time, but I'm not sure that that's the principle of it, although uh, more than happy to come back 
and be invented again. But maybe, Jim, another one I think that, that could be of interest for the listeners is what we went through with the COVID and the pandemic, which is that difficulty to, to keep continuing or getting momentum while at the same time having uh, very huge barriers in terms of access to practitioners. So in this case, we have been working with another client and that was really their dilemma. Reps were basically at home, difficulty to connect with primary care physician. And so we built a campaign as a multi-channel marketing, but, and even at the print ad, and, and you know, in our print ad, the, the innovation that we've done is not only we were able to bring very simple messages in that ad, but we were also have uh, the ability to put a QR code whereby you can download a full kit of both information for physician and patient. In other words, if you are among the 15,000 GPs in Canada and you will not be seen and visited by one of the representatives of the company, by just basically downloading the toolkit, you have a turnkey offer that you can, that you can activate, ignite or not, but you have it in your hands. So that has been extremely successful. As a matter of fact, we actually received last year by the OPMA, the award, the Sky Award on, on the best print ad for this initiative. And as I said, it was more a multi-channel marketing, but it really, I think, showcased our willingness at TokTok to empower physicians, in that case, GPs, by bringing them tools when they want it, and then to be able to act with them. Did you do that in Quebec also? No, this was across Canada because in this case, unlike the previous one, one in Ontario, one in Quebec, this one was really a pan-Canadian issue in a sense. It was pandemic. So everybody was at the same place in terms of limitation, in terms of connectivity and access. Well, I love this stuff. Yeah, it's great. You're listening to Arno Lavenue of Talk Talk Communications here on the NPC podcast. Arno, you touched on DTC uh, briefly kind of introduces a question, how do you stay up to date on the often, let's say, imprecise regulations and guidelines from groups like ASC and PAB when it comes to pharma advertising in Canada? Well, that's a good question. I mean, for ASC, we obviously, we, we, we are in touch with them very regularly. They tend to provide as well webinars and, and web series. So uh, obviously, we, we attend those when there's a specific aspect of the regulation that change. But as you know, there's not that much of a change in terms of ASE, whether it's on the branded or unbranded side. For PAB, it's two, uh, it's a two-prone approach. It's training. They provide very, very good and strong training up to the 3.0, the, their latest edition, which is the highest level you can get with PAB. Our team members at TokTok have been following this training, so that's extremely positive. And the second is the collaboration also with PAB. I think that's good that they are reaching out more and more and to us, especially. And they do, they do meetings whereby they ask feedback. They ask counseling. And so we have been involved into this. Uh, and, and lastly, uh, to your question, Mitch, you should not only rely on external training, but we have actually our own training program uh, at TokTok. We call it TokTok Academy whereby we are helping onboarding our uh, our new employee, our new TokTok member, and even the more seasoned uh, manager at TokTok. And we provide not only uh, those aspects of codes and regulation, but also the, the art and science of marketing in healthcare. Super. Oh, no, it's Mark again. So one of the special features of our pharma world is that sometimes the target audience can be pretty specific, pretty small, pretty unique characteristics. 
So I wonder if you can tell us about the approach you've taken in targeting specific demographics or patient groups in uh, one of your ad campaigns. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's where maybe the previous year at TokTok is working effectively, which is before it was more a corporate and consumer agency. So it's really going, I would say, twofold to your question. One is defining more the patient profile or the consumer profile that are linked to the medication. I think we all know that. But the second is more having a deeper deeper understanding on insight when it comes down to either barriers, opportunities, or even consumer habits. So what do these patients do? Yes, pharma sometimes have the view that it's all their life, but when you when you're a patient, it's not all of your life. You have a life as well that you continue doing. So we like also understanding those trends. What it means concretely, I want to say it depends because each situation is different, but I, I give you some examples. When you do a, a tool development, sometimes an easy thing that sometimes is not thought of is reflecting on the demographic and the languages. So I'll give you an example. You do patient support programs that are very expensive. You want to ensure that actually people, new immigrants, for instance, or others can be taught in their mother tongue language. So I'm talking about Mandarin. Cantonese, I'm talking about Punjabi. So that is being recognizant of the patient profile in terms of just communicating and understanding. So that's one simple one, for instance. The second one is on the UX navigation. A lot when it comes down to the websites, depending on the audience, a younger group versus an older group, just making sure that we test with those folks so that the navigation is super user-friendly when it comes down to clicking on the buttons or going directly where they want. So that's the second, that's the second one. And the third one, as an example, is we have actually an in-house media capability, which is planning media and deployment of media. And so the media deployment is also a huge piece when it comes down to the demographics. Are they listening radio? Are they more rural, more urban? Are they younger? Et cetera, et cetera. Do they relate to patient associations? So all those elements are really taken into consideration. I would call it more a 360 marketing view so that we are deploying a campaign, but we have that kind of a checklist and a views so that we are not missing the mark on those important things. Sometimes they look like details, but they are not. At the end, they are, can make a huge difference. Yeah, that's making my marketing mouth water. Wow, that's some fun stuff you, you guys are doing. Now, I'm going to swing away from the marketing side of things and your successful cases to focus a little bit on the L&D side. So you're a doctor of pharmacy. You have a master's degree in marketing. How's your education impacted the course of your career so far? I think it has a significant impact. Definitely. I think that dual education was for me a big thing. I do believe of complementing strength. So... As you pointed out, having a background as a pharmacist is understanding the process of drug discovery, product label, design and protocol of clinical trials. You, you're already immersed into it. So you get closer to, as I said, the details of what matters on one side, which is the technical aspect of the pharmaceutical sciences. And the second is the, my passion since young age on marketing and communication. And, and I think here, my, the message I have is, when you're able to mix two things together, 
I think there's a kind of a leveraging aspect of it. I think it's not one plus one equal two. I see it as one plus one equal 10 type of thing. And so I'm a big fan of complementing education to be more unique also in terms of the value proposition that, that you offer to the world. Yeah, that's great. You know, you, you talked a little bit about making sure you're hitting all the right demographics and the interaction between the, we'll call it the healthcare professional and, and the patient and getting the message out there. I'm sure retail pharmacy experiencing that all the time because I was just in the pharmacy the other day and it's all languages, it's all types of people. So, you know, you bring that aspect of we we just don't have one target audience. We have an audience that has so many variables involved with it. And that I guess that's what makes it really fun. So that that's super. Just one point, Jim, on the pharmacies, because it's really linked also to Ontario. You know now the expansion of practice in Ontario, something that we have also in Quebec, something that we've seen in Alberta. We've been very much involved into that. And so to the point of the pharmacist, it's important to help them also continue communicating and being able to interact with those patients because more and more they're going to be frontline with the patients and need also to be supported in a way that they can respond very well to their patients when they come at the counter. Well, that's it. Even at the level of the pharmacy schools in Canada, you see that there's more focus now on uh, communication skills and getting getting information across because whether the the information exists or not, you know, that you have to have that. But unless you can actually get it across to the patient, the customer, whoever it is, then, you know, it's not going anywhere. So that's great. You bring a certain background that's very, very interesting and unique, I'd say. So why did you pursue a career in pharma? Why, why onto the pharma side then? I wanted to make a big difference. And I think the sector that we are in is where you make a big difference. I mean, whether we like it or not, we all need healthcare. I'd love to say... We should be more in a prevention mode. And the next era, I hope, will be more around prevention than trying to relieve symptoms, example, in, in a, from, a, from a drug discovery point of view. But we are making a difference in this field in a big way. And for me, I found that my ex that I just discussed uh, earlier, finding my ex, which is a science and marketing, that was a bit of a self-awareness at a younger age where I can contribute to my fullest. And I thought that pharmacy plus marketing in that industry would be the perfect alignment for me. It was done at a young age. I think maybe I was 18 years old or something, but I still believe that it was a, a bit of my path. I'm, I'm still obviously enjoying it every single day since I started. Well, we have to appreciate people like you. Thank you. So I know this year you were inducted into the Canadian Healthcare Marketing Hall of Fame. Could you tell us a little about what this honor meant to you? It meant a lot. It meant a lot to be recognized by peers. Uh, I'd like to actually thank also Chronicle for this event because we, we need to nurture our small ecosystem, our small community. And without uh, people like you, uh, these things will not happen. So first of all, a big thank you for making it happen. And the second is the honor to be recognized by my peers. I was a bit emotional, obviously, but also I felt that it was great gathering for all sense of getting back to networking after a very long and painful pandemic that we went through all. So I felt it was very welcome by all. And for me, in terms of milestone, the day I received that recognition, I think it cemented one of my objectives, which is now to continue and, and doing even more when it comes to sharing my experience and expertise to younger generations. 
in the domain. So I'm doing it actually with the Talk Talk members, but I'm also helping with uh, the MBA student at the John Bolson School of Business in Montreal, the one who are interested in pursuing career in healthcare. And so I want to obviously continue doing those things in the years to come. I was there the day you got the award and, you know, it was uh, pretty soon after, you know, we were emerging from the pandemic and it was a really, it was a good feeling. It was good to get back in the same room. Absolutely. So as we wind down our podcast, we're going to invite you to play our word association game. So the way it works is that you just go ahead and say the first thing that comes to mind in response to the following phrases or words that I read out. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Drug discovery. Resilience. Innovation. To think and do differently. Very good. Healthcare marketing. Communicating with purpose. That's good. Good. So the Quebec Business Women's Network. If you listen to me early on, the three keywords of the REFAC, inspire, then connect, and then propel. Emerging markets. This one to have been involved in to those markets, I would say similar challenges to overcome, but a very a different take to make it happen. Et enfin, Lyon. Uh, Lyon is the place of my student years in pharmacy, and that is part of my memories, good memories. Très bien, merci. <laughs> Lots of points awarded for that, gentlemen, I'd say. So finally, it's time to put on your soothsayer's hat. And I've decided that I'm going to put on my RCMP sheepskin and enter our prognostication corner. So what bold predictions will you make about the life sciences industry during the upcoming 2023 and 2024 or, or even beyond? Maybe some wishful thinking, but bold moves. So I have a couple just for uh, the interest of the question. One is how to turn the overwhelming data collection that we have with all those patient support programs into a easy access to real-world communication platform that responds to the needs of the different stakeholders. I'm talking about the physicians. I'm talking about the medical association, the patients the authorities, the patient associations. So I think it would be extraordinary that we are opening up in a certain way for fluid communication platform around those uh, insights and nuggets of information that are collected within the PSPs. So that's my, been my number one. It's a big challenge. Yeah. <laughs> but potentially significant uh, outcomes and positive outcomes in terms of transparency, in terms of learning, in terms of turning insight into uh, into new actions for the benefits of both physicians and patients. My, my second one is a bold one as well. I don't think it's going to come. So I think I'm going to lose on, the, on that one, G. But I was reflecting about the ASC, to which point, uh, regulation about branded DTC. Uh, and we all know that branded DTC is on the name, price, and, and quantity, right? So you, you basically cannot say anything except the brand name. And I would say... Is there a way to relax it a bit by adding the indication in a branded ad? My reasoning is the following, is we have the, the luxury to uh, click and go on the web and see what's going on south of the border. 
to the large extent. So I think providing a chance for Canadians to actually get a bit more access to, to brand information would be a good thing. I think they're going to be more engaged. And I think it would avoid many to actually go to the U.S. website and, and what for to get the information. So I think it's a kind of a middle ground possibility that one day I'd like to see happen. Very interesting. Mm. Very political, too. It's, yeah, I can imagine the uh, reactions from the NDP uh, with that type of approach to, to pharma. We say bold moves, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, Let's see, go. That's, hey, I wore a special hat for this. Yeah. And it's an appropriate <laughs> hat. So, Arno, thanks for talk, talk, talking with us. It was a nice, nice talk. Great. So we look forward to seeing you in person in the new year. And uh, congratulations on opening that Toronto office. That's a big, big development. Well, thank you all. It was a pleasure to, uh, to have you. And uh, looking forward to meeting you soon. Pleasure was ours. Thanks. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We will speak to you again next week. If you've got questions for Arnaud, send an email to health at chronicle.org. We invite your comments about today's conversation. Attach your question as a voice clip and become part of a future episode. If you enjoyed today's NPC podcast, please like it, rate it, recommend it, and always make a point of sharing it with your colleagues. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, or just ask your smart device to play the National Pharmaceutical Congress podcast on Audible, or TuneIn Radio. Hey, Siri. Okay, Google. Alexa, you all need to wake up and get to work. The NPC podcast is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. Check them out at www.impress.com. This is your announcer, Leona Void, speaking. This podcast was produced by Jeremy Visser, assisted by Spencer Eng. Research for this program came from John Evans, the last living father of Confederation. The musical theme is performed with panache by the NPC Podcast Orchestra, under the direction of Maestro Prunella Milbrook. We'll speak again next week.